1: and get 10% off your plan.
0: Hi, I'm Ko Im, community editor at Adweek and co-host of this podcast. In this week's special episode of Yeah, That's Probably an Ad in conjunction with DNI TVD, we are passing the mic to an important conversation and two pivotal people right now, Strategy Director Nathan Young and Principal Bennett D. Bennett, with their efforts to bring forth the call for a change from Black professionals demanding urgent action from agency leadership. Without further ado, here are Nathan and Bennett.
2: Hey, uh, good afternoon, everybody who's listening to this. Uh, My name's Bennett D. Bennett. I am Principal and Content Lead at Aerialist, which is a consultancy that specializes in content strategy, design, and development. And uh, it is an honor to kind of just do this sort of, podcast joint venture with uh with nathan young who is group strategy director at periscope in minneapolis minnesota so uh you know uh hey nathan how's it going dude
0: it's going uh you know uh it's been a rough couple weeks over here in minneapolis as you might imagine um not only uh was george floyd uh killed in this city he was actually killed uh four blocks away from where i live so for us it's been a lot of community healing and a lot of uh community action as well and bennett that's how you and i actually kicked this project off uh if i'm remembering correctly
2: yeah no it was it was an insane time uh i for those who follow me on twitter uh I tend to use TweetDeck a lot, and uh, you know, I'm just like scanning for you know conversations that were happening during the during the protests, especially those in Minneapolis. Uh, so you know, it, it it was crazy for me, you know, outsider looking into just the chaos that was taking place out there. That you know, uh, what tipped me off was like a Target was looted and. Uh, Anybody who's uh, read any of my stuff in in the drum, uh, one of my last uh, roles, uh, you know, I've, I've covered agencies in the media, and not just large markets like my own in New York, but smaller markets uh, like Minneapolis and and a few others across the country. Uh, so Periscope was top of mind for me, and another agency, Cole Mcvoy, out in that area as well. Uh, you know it was just like wait this is easily not just a race relation story there is a target being looted there are agencies in that area you know what is what is happening on the ground like which agency leaders are are you know you know affected by this and it was uh, some bit of serendipity that you and i got connected through that because i saw one of your replies and immediately hit you up the like
0: yeah no been? so <laughs> i i think that that is the i don't know funniest is the right word but that is the the strangest part about everything that you and i and the 600 other Powerful black voices who joined this open letter. Uh, We don't know each other. Uh, Bennett and I, uh, we followed each other on Twitter and like engaged with each other's posts on, you know, uh, not frequent basis. And, you know, we just respected each other's work. But it was really the catalyst of what was happening uh, in Minneapolis that caused him to slide into my DMs. And we went really quickly from, you know, having a conversation about. What was going on on our streets, you know, not just in Minneapolis, but also at that point in New York uh, into what had happened in our careers uh, with regard to systemic racism into what to do about it. And I don't think that our conversation was more than 15 minutes long. I think that I think that we had a 15 minute DM exchange uh, where we covered what's up. Uh, You know, what's going on? The agency world is bullshit. How -hmm. do we fix it? Um, And then went from there into reaching out into our networks, uh, trying to find other people who felt the same way. And uh, honestly, within a day of that Twitter conversation, we had 100 uh, black professionals engaging in this conversation with us. Um, And it just took off from there. Uh, I was joking with Bennett uh, just the other day. Uh, that, uh, it's, it, this is kind of like the, uh, Adland version of Married at First Sight. Um, put <laughs> um, us on TLC, put us on TLC. We're ready for that, uh, reality TV show contract whenever you are. Um, no, it's, it's, I think the coolest thing is that despite the fact that we didn't know each other that well, we've gotten to know each other through this, uh, social action. Uh, and we actually have a lot in common.
2: Yeah, you know, we both, we're both Android users for all those green really bubble lives for not having exactly. Uh, uh, and um, yeah, no, I think both of us really had these unique trajectories in the ad industry as well and kind of had to, you know, either nudge elbows or, you know, like me, just take a few leaps of faith, you know, outside of agency side to, you know, put us where we are, you know, in terms of our, points uh in the larger agency narrative
0: yep i and i don't want this podcast to be about the horror stories because lord knows we have them um and i think that what i want to talk about is maybe the just the level of commonality that we found among everybody that we reached out to in terms of what we felt was wrong with the industry, where we felt there was room for an improvement. Uh, because when we were coming up with uh, the list of topics, Bennett, I think mm-hmm. I remember us having a brainstorming session. And again, I don't think it took us more than 15 minutes to come up with the the 12 action items that were on that list, or I think it was 10 originally, with the, with those core yeah. 10 really, really quickly. Um, and then the step that we took after that was we put it into a survey and we asked all everybody to, uh, kind of vote on like how they felt about, uh, a number of different statements. And it was like strongly disagree to strongly agree. And I think the most surprising thing for me, even though I knew, uh, a lot of the policies and behaviors and, uh, just experiences in the advertising industry um, were pretty similar um, and pretty commonplace no matter what agency you went to. I was really struck by when we sent that survey out, the results that we got. I I don't think there was a single question where there was any significant variance uh, in terms of how strongly people agreed. It was pretty much you ran down the report and it was agree, strongly agree. That was the only variance, whether they strongly agreed with the statement or whether they agreed with it. Um, I guess like, how did that make you feel? Because for me, I was just kind of like, it was like a big whoa moment.
2: Yeah. Um, for me, I think I wasn't necessarily surprised. I wasn't, um, I have uh, I've been on advisory boards I've gotten to interact with uh, a ton of people across the industry you know especially um, with with my background copywriter journalist so a weird Twitter personality with cult following uh, and it's it's just a microcosm of shared black pain to be mm-hmm. honest uh, Obviously, our industry is not dissimilar to what's going on in other facets of corporate America. Uh, you think about Estee Lauder, you know, releasing data just because you had influencers and very powerful voices in in the beauty world challenging them to to put out numbers. Pull up or uh, shut up, right? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, you know, it was. I wouldn't say heartening but I think just the mass empathy that led to, you know, what became this kind of living document, right? We talk about the constitution being a living document, but like this, uh, you know, what was 10 points, we pushed it all the way to 15, and then, you know, had to try to condense as much of that information as as we could uh, to become 12 points. Uh, there was just so, so much more. <laughs> There was just so much input, and Bennett, um, you're, you're dry yeah.
0: snitching on us here. Uh, now, uh, now, mean, now, the people are gonna want to know what are the three things that were cut.
2: Um, <laughs> listen, I honestly don't remember, but I think it was more. It wasn't necessarily that they were cut more than they were condensed into what was existing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, the, the other part was it wasn't necessarily cut. You know, in a sense that we didn't accept anybody's viewpoints. I think it was more these are some things that are very actionable, very immediate that can be done and uh, you know le- we're going to we're just going to stick with a dirty dozen and, uh, and and push it out so like literally like it is it has been a blur i cannot remember uh, most of the language <laughs> uh, from any of those things but i know that so much of the spirit of it just ended up in in you know, what became uh, the open letter uh, and, uh, you know, who, who wants to kind of take that sort of uh, if those who haven't read it at this point, uh, maybe this probably is a good opportunity to at least say what that letter states.
0: Yeah, no, I think if I'm remembering the editing process correctly. Yeah. Um, well, number one, the first draft of the letter was almost exactly what we ended up releasing. Um I mm-hmm. think that we made adjustments to uh, some of the points. And when I remember what I remember about adjusting those points was, we made a conscious decision to try and make this list as actionable as possible, but also as bulletproof as possible. because yes. in our experience, whenever you have a conversation about dni whenever you have a conversation about policy reform it's always the pushback is always oh well we can't do this mm-hmm. uh, or, or this is going to take too too long or this is going to be too expensive we can't do this so we wanted to create a very focused list of action items that agencies could respond to immediately um, but also where they would have no excuse for not doing them. We wanted it to be radically reasonable reform, and I think we were successful in doing that. Uh, not to not to toot our own horn, but like I think that that is a huge reason why this moment feels different than other moments in diversity and inclusion in the advertising industry. Because I think what it really did was it laid bare just the bullshit behind uh, agencies' explanations for uh, you know why they weren't more successful in diversity and inclusion and why they couldn't do more to fix some of the systemic problems in advertising and, in some cases, why they believed that there was no problem with syne- systemic inequity or, or racism in this industry. The focus that we were able to achieve here is what kind of brought to light Uh, The fact that not only was addressing systemic inequity in advertising a doable goal, but it was long overdue. And there is no reason why you can't take these actions now.
2: No, absolutely agree. And let me tell you. How many millions of people end up watching Insecure and you know, every every season it's like, are you Team Issa or are you, are you Team Lawrence? Are you I, team I, Issa or I was team gonna ask Molly? you,
0: are you like, team are you Team Issa or Team Molly?
2: Uh I'm Team Issa. She she's the protagonist. Uh, it is her story. Yeah, she's messed up in previous seasons, but you know, I, I think uh yeah, I haven't even watched the last few episodes. Like just the moment in time has I mean If we're talking about how we're feeling, like, I haven't really, outside of watching the news or Governor Cuomo's radio addresses uh, to New York, because we are still in a pandemic, listeners, please remember this. Keep your mask on. Um, Like, you know, I have not been able to watch anything. Like, I have not been able to watch anything, do anything uh you know you've owned you've owned some agencies in the past i launched my agency last month so most of my focus has been client work or you know getting getting this off the ground and you know it's just because you know that i guess that's self-care for me you know just my amount of media consumption that's you know outside of social media or those two things i just listed but i guess uh to the larger point of like we got 600 plus now over a a thousand signatories who have agreed on something put their names behind it uh if anybody should be tooting their horn it should be all of those brave people who put their names (laughs) who put their names on it behind us because uh yes that is strength in numbers but like we also recognize the fact that you either represent the very few at your agency or the only one in your specific department, whether that's creative, account, strategy, production, you know, it is just a wide swath of names, black women, queer, queer, uh, and LGBTQ uh, community. Like, it's, uh, that's a bravery right there. Like, it's just not lost on me, you know, that we all could agree on these 12 points. We all could agree that this is all long overdue and we all could agree that, you know, shit, the time for action should have been years ago, but if you're going to do something, you might as well do it now.
0: Let's, let's talk about that bravery a little bit. Um, because I think that this is a component of the story that has been missed so far. Um, Bennett, when, when, when I was reaching out to folks to, to get them and, uh, to recruit them as signatories for this letter uh, most people were like oh yeah I'm down let's go uh, it's about time and all that but there was a handful I want to say like maybe 10 or 15 people who said that they agreed with the letter but that they didn't want to sign and the reason that they gave for not signing the letter was they were afraid that if their name was listed on that letter that they would be fired and i mean that's that that really cut through for me to really what's at the heart of the issue here is that it's not just that there are far too few uh black advertising employees and uh, uh and people of color in in agencies it's not just that there are not enough uh, black leaders in advertising agencies. It's the fact that a lot of folks who work in the advertising industry feel so other, feel so small and insignificant, that they feel like if if they voiced their opinion, that they would be terminated for it. Mm-hmm.
2: No, oh, and... Uh... It's a time where we are seeing record unemployment numbers, there have been layoffs, there have been furloughs. Uh, and those could all be excuses for the current structure of advertising agencies to, you know, to target any of these individuals uh, in, in these layoffs and you know, chalk it up to the fact that we're in a recession, We have to cut back on our budgets, our clients are cutting back on our budgets. You know, so there's definite, like, understanding from at least the two of us, and I'm sure uh, anybody who's written, uh, who signed their name on this, that just showing up as a black person in advertising is an act of bravery, period. And just showing up, you know, as a black person in this industry makes you a leader. It does not matter if you're a C suite, it does not matter if you're a director, because you represent so much more than yourself. And if at any point, you know, like that's what keeps me going. Because even when like I, I'm the only I'm one of the few people I know from my hood that even knows this place exists. I'm probably one of the few people in New York City who knows this this sort of industry exists and it's a it's an industry that uses our culture that uses our language that puts our celebrities and feeds them money but who is the, who is behind that work most of the time it's not us like and like that was my driving force for entering the industry and i'm sure that goes for so many of us who who jumped in and and had some feedback for this and had some pushback for this and you know and signed their names and have reacted To uh, this letter being published, you know, that is bravery, that is leadership. And, you know, like if the powers that exist and the powers that be right now aren't looking at the situation as, you know, as just an, I don't know if it's absent mindedness or ignorance, it's probably ignorance and not seeing what they have had in front of them this entire time, then, uh, you know, this is this is a moment where, you know, white people have been deprogramming and saying, mm-hmm. hey, let's not be racist. It's not enough to be racist. Like, let's be anti-racist. No. Like, do the work. And that starts by looking at what you have, looking at who you have, and saying, hey, you know, well, let's try to build together to, to make this whole situation better. Um, I, you probably have another thought, Nathan, but I'm looking at, our time block with, with this, uh, with this platform and it is time for a break.
0: Yeah. I mean, I have a million thoughts. I I think the, the, the one thing I might lead leave on is. I'm not calling agencies, culture vultures, I'm just going to let that hang out there for a little bit, but Mm -hmm. you know, what, what, what I, what I am saying is that you bring up a really good point, which is that so much of the art, the music, uh, the film uh, that makes up a significant part of our uh, media landscape. So much of the culture that we as advertising agencies are responding to uh, is created by Black creators. And mm-hmm. It's shocking to me that nobody has connected the dots and, and has been like, well, if we, if we really want to be the purveyors of, of culture in America, if we really want to be these, these gatekeepers, if we really want to create these cultural moments that permeate the American zeitgeist, maybe we should get more content creators from outside of the traditional, uh, advertising, uh, model involved in what our agencies are doing. I mean, we talk about an innovation as agencies all the time, um, but too often that innovation is thought of in terms of ad tech, uh, or in terms of an augmented reality app, or in terms of an Alexa skill, or you know stuff like that. But one of the most radical innovations that agencies could take on is improving their diversity and inclusion at every level of the agency, when you have more diverse voices in the room, you're going to get a, a greater diversity of ideas, and that, to me, is the future of advertising.
2: Cool. Uh, thank you for that thought. And now, you know it's it's time to take a proper commercial break. Uh, please uh, stay tuned for a word from your sponsors.
1: When was the last time you set aside time for professional development? With the Institute for Brand Marketing, an educational program designed in collaboration with IBM Watson Advertising and Adweek, you can access complimentary courses at your own pace, including our newest course, Technology in the Creative Process, How AI Can Future-Proof Your Strategy. Brush up on your skills with compact lessons that address strategies and technologies to help you navigate a changing world. Visit adweek.com IBM to get started. That's adweek.com IBM.
2: And... We're back. We are back. Uh, thank you again to Adweek for uh, giving two young guys a, a platform to talk about some some crazy shit we, we did a few, a few days ago uh, that has uh, already had a ripple effects across our industry and adjacent industries and, um, you know, for listeners of DNI TBD and listeners of, yeah, that's probably an ad. My name is Bennett Bennett, and my co-host, Nathan Young, are uh, here to chat with you for just a little bit more.
0: Um, I I like that I got an additional job title. I I got group strategy director, I got organizer, and now I have co-host on my resume. It's wonderful.
2: Yeah, yeah. um, Update your LinkedIn, please.
0: Absolutely. Um,
2: Cool, cool. So we've talked about the process. We have talked about... You know everything that inspired what we put out but let's get into how we've been feeling because we've gotten to know each other pretty quickly on a professional end and it's just you know over the past maybe 48 hours that we just got to know each other as as people um and you know it's one thing that like you know to make a move a moment into some movement so to speak but you know uh I, I, I want to know, man. Like it, this is this has been a ride. Uh, so how, how how are you doing?
0: I'm good. Uh, I, actually, I'm really good. I, I I feel so honored and inspired to to be a part of this moment. I don't know about you, Bennett, but this moment feels different than other moments in advertising history past, this feels like a moment where we are actually going to achieve uh, the systemic change that we've been looking for. And I think it's an absolute privilege to be representing the now more than 1,000 members that we have in our ranks in, uh, you know, not just holding advertising agencies accountable, but helping transform and shape the landscape that is going to be what the next generation of black talent gets to walk into and my great hope and what, what makes me so excited to get up to uh, get up in the morning and work, you know, what has now become like a 15, 16 hour day um, is we have the opportunity to make it so that we don't, that the next generation doesn't have to go through the same bullshit that we did. We have an opportunity to make it so that another tone deaf, uh, culturally insensitive ad uh, never gets released. We have the opportunity to just dramatically shift uh, the way that this industry works and, and for the better. And I think that, not only is that an incredible feeling, but there's also just the energy, Mm -hmm. the, the, the energy in the industry, the, the energy and enthusiasm that we've been getting from our members saying like, Oh, my lead, my leadership came down and they talked to me and had a conversation with me for the first time. Like, you know, this is incredible. Like there's so much happening. IPG just released their EEOC data. Um, you know, we're hearing from, uh, People across this country saying that, oh, such and such Fortune 500 company um, is using your uh, your 12 points uh, as as a inspiration for how they're going to reform uh, their diversity and inclusion initiatives. Uh, this leading agency uh, is matrixing out their current uh, diversity and inclusion initiatives against these 12 points. Like we've heard from, at least. I think at this point, 40 different agencies and brands who are directly using these 12 points to affect change. And so I just couldn't feel more encouraged and inspired and positive about the direction that this industry is going in. And I'll be honest with you, that hasn't been a feeling I've felt in a long time. Mm.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I I get it. And I, I I echo a lot of that sentiment. Uh, uh, I've probably had the best sleep that I've had, you know, whenever I do get to sleep in a long time, just because in my gut, you know, there have been about 10 years of just putting in, putting in the work and having those sleepless nights that, uh, you know, this was a rare moment in which, like, I just felt comfortable with the fact that, we were doing right by, you know, something bigger than ourselves. Uh, But there's also so much caution. Uh, Like, you know, it's, and maybe that's kind of me seeing the picture for what it is. Um, You know, the pendulum is swinging in our direction, but as much as pendulums swing in one way, they often swing back and that is what i'm kind of curious and and cautious about um because the you know it is great that we've been hearing from all these companies and all these people uh and we've been hearing internationally i've had friends from the uk i have had friends uh in, in canada uh that are like our industry you know, our industry contingent in these countries and so many others, uh, they need work. <laughs> yeah. They need work. And we hope this can influence uh, some sort of systemic change. And, you know, to know, to understand how wide-ranging this has become has been the really humbling thing for a kid who has never left his neighborhood in about 30 years. Yeah. Um, so-
0: So, Bennett, the the shitty reality show metaphor that I used at the top of this podcast, I used Married at First Sight, and I didn't use like Blind Date. And the reason that I used that show, this is terrible, I I almost (laughs) want to bail on this statement altogether, but the reason that I used that show was Mm. because I recognize that we are in this for the long haul. I am not so naive to think that oh we wrote a letter and now we fixed racism like <laughs> right, right, right. you no, know th- of course this, of course even even if agencies adopt all 12 of these steps you know that doesn't it's still mean still gonna fuck it up no well not no no i mean you want to get really real but no no nah, no nah. but like even if they did and even if all 12 of those were successful there's going to be another uh set of issues that we're going to have to face because Mm -hmm. i think you know this is not like it's not like a a a task that you can just check the box off of and then you're done this is an ongoing conversation uh between uh leadership and employees um particular white leadership and employees of color i think you know what really got us to this point was the fact that leadership never stopped to ask their black employees to ask their employees of color, like, Hey, what's up? How you feeling? Like, um, is everything good? Um, how can we improve if at any point they had stepped down from their ivory tower, mm-hmm. um, and had a face to face, conversation or jumped on a Zoom call with their employees of color, they wouldn't have been so blind to the issues that existed within their agency. Had they fostered a culture of transparency and pushing for more uh, advertising, black advertising agency employees wouldn't have felt so powerless or scared of voicing their opinion. And I think the main thing that this letter did outside of, outlining 12 actionable steps that leaders can take right now is it opened up a dialogue and Mm -hmm. what i would encourage everybody uh you know black white latinx whatever uh every agency employee to have more direct conversations with your leadership about the change that you want to see uh leadership works for us ultimately at the end of the day. I mean, they work for their, 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 stakeholders and stuff like that, but I think people lose sight of the power that their voice can carry. Um, especially when you organize in numbers, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I think that the letter we drafted was super powerful, but I think what really made it powerful was that it was 600, uh, signatures from basically every major industry, uh, agency in the industry. Um, So think about how you as an agency employee can, can learn from that. Think about what kind of coalition you can build within your agency to address, you know, the issues that are important to you, not even just with regard to diversity and inclusion, like, are your hours really shitty? Like, um, you know, is there a hostile work environment? Do you, you wish that there was more opportunity for promotion? Do you wish that more people got to go to conferences? Uh, do you think that uh, leadership plays favorites with certain uh, parts of the organization? Say that shit. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, like why, why would you hold that back? Because all it does is give leadership cover to be like, well, we had no idea that this was a problem. Even if it's plain as day, if nobody makes the case... If nobody holds leadership accountable, if nobody steps up and says something has got to change, you're never going to see that change happen. It's just not going to happen. So I, I'm, I'm on my high horse. I'm on my soapbox now. I'm, I'm uh-huh. going to get off in a second, but like <laughs> <laughs> you, you got to be more vocal with uh, with leadership. Uh, if you, if you're an employee, and I don't care what seniority level you are, make your voice heard. And then leadership, if anybody here, uh, anybody in, is out there listening, listen to your employees. It's yeah. that simple. Like, you know, pe- people will tell you the changes that they want to see, and you just have to be open to hearing them and doing your job to take all those inputs and make a balanced judgment on... How your agency should respond to that feedback. I'm not saying that you know you need to let your employees run run the whole company, and all of a sudden you've got you know Monday, Wednesday, Friday day off and stuff like that, and unlimited beer budget or some shit. But like you know, um, when they bring valid concerns to your attention, listen up, take notes, mm-hmm. like yeah, try follow up with uh, your different people on your board and in your leadership team, like, is there any validity to this? Like, uh, do some investigation, educate yourself on the issues that your employees are bringing to you and you will be a much more effective leader. You will be loved and adored by your employees and you won't have these blind spots. Right.
2: Right. Um, one kind of thing that I've just been, uh, holding fast to, uh, over, these last couple of weeks, um, and especially over these last few days, Nathan uh, is just the role of leadership. You know, so and like we mentioned, like leadership in the form of our, you know, the constituents, those uh, the signatories, but uh, like defining it, you know, going forward for those who do hold leadership uh, positions is. You know, leadership requires trust at the end of the day. You want to be trusted by people in order to, you know, in order to move forward, in order to have your ideas have some sort of uh, voice, platform, uh, forward momentum. And, you know, trust, like, inherently means you are sacrificing your ego to hold space for others. And I think going forward, this should be an opportunity for leaders to remember that, it is not just the fact that they know how to steer their agencies through a recession or through a pandemic or reconfigure their indoor office spaces, which have mostly been like open floor plans for a very long time. And that is another discussion for probably two other folk for another podcast. But, you know, just falling kind of the fuck back excuse my language falling the falling back and again realizing that there's just so much out there so many people out there uh who have great ideas that deserve deserve to be moved up deserve to have better pay deserve to be leading initiatives that aren't just diversity and inclusion you know they should be spearheading these things and you should be standing by their side or stepping out of the way so that they can shine because far more often than not it is it is the white peers or you know sometimes non-black poc peers that end up getting those opportunities uh and maybe that's palatable to your clients but like that's not palatable to innovation and i know every agency wants to believe that they are you know the future of where their brand should put their money in and invest in. But like, if you are not investing in your people and instead care so much about the output, then who is putting in the work, like you're not going to get anywhere. Um, we do have a couple of minutes left and uh, there was a question posed to me earlier this morning about, uh, you know, what you, what one thing do you hope to see at the you know, on the other side of this. And I remember my answer for, for this person was, I wanna see a C-suite where the, you know, where you have black and brown individuals uh, that are not just the chief diversity officer. Mm,
0: um, yeah.
2: Because in, in, in my eyes, that has been to- a tokenized role. that has also been a monopolized role if you think about the billions of dollars spent in diversity and inclusion and for the only individual like the only individual in most of these holding companies, C-suites to be you know a black person, no and not just that like a black woman. <laughs> like black women have been the backbone you know love them or hate them for you know what they do and what they contribute but like they are the highest people in you know in these places and they obviously need your support you know CEOs you know who you are but they also need to not be the only ones there need to be black and brown CFOs there need to be black and brown COOs You know, Alexis Ohanian stepped down from Reddit a few days ago and said, have somebody take my place. All you guys have your legacies, and maybe it is time for a Black CEO of a major global holding company. And that, you know, if that is as hot of a take as I want to put out in the world and as big of an intention as I want to put out in the world, I think it should be that. Because that is what we, we deserve. We have worked far too hard over centuries, over different movements like civil rights, abolition, uh, you know, women's rights, you know, the Me Too movement, this current time where Black Lives Matter is said by everybody. Like, if Black lives and careers and talents truly matter, then you know, m- maybe maybe that's what it's going to take uh, for, for real change to happen. So, I mean, that's my thought, but I'd love to, you know, hear, you know, what do you hope to see it on the other side? If, if one thing,
0: I mean, I, I, I actually kind of agree with you and it it's funny. Um, people have been emailing me the past couple of days and they're like, as a diversity and inclusion expert, would you like to come talking? And it's, I, I just laugh because it's like, I'm not a diversity and inclusion expert. I'm black. Like, you know, like it, it, it's not, um, there's such a tendency to pigeonhole somebody who is black, successful and intelligent in talking about race as a diversity and inclusion expert. And it's like, mm-hmm. No, fuck that. I'm one of the best strategists in the country. You know, um, I I don't want to be VP diversity um, recruiters out there. Take note. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I want to be VP strategy someday. You know what I mean? I want to uh, be sent to the FEs and CAN and stuff like that. But I don't want to be sent uh, as part of some diversity program. I want to be sent there because I was assigned to the work and we did the work and we won the award. You know, uh, I think that that is one nuance that is really, really important here is like there can't be this this shift where it's like, oh, we need to solve uh, our problems. Like, let's hire a chief diversity officer um, and then let's make sure that all of our black talent gets to uh, go to... You know, uh, the Addies or something like that, or mm-hmm. go to the one show. Like, that's not the solution here. The solution is getting more talented Black agency professionals in the door, uh, getting the talented Black agency professionals who exist the opportunities that they deserve to work on the high profile work that wins awards and and the rest of that stuff, I think is it's going to figure itself out. But bottom line, that's the future that we need to see. We need to see more black talent on those core teams doing high visibility work. Um, the agency, the industry is going to recognize them not on the color of their skin, but on the kind of merit uh, of the work that they do. Uh, sure. And if you trust your Black employees, and if you trust your uh, person of color employees uh, and put them on those teams, they are going to be immensely valuable to you uh, immediately.
2: Yeah, and I'll echo that point and leave a final thought. Uh, We shouldn't just be able to succeed like our white peers. We should be allowed to fail like our white peers as well. Because uh, we, we are held at so m- much of a higher standard, even though we probably get paid less and do not see the points of advancement. You know, that is that is ego. That, I mean, you know, that is all a result of ego. Like, trust the fact that, you know, we're going to make mistakes just like you probably have, white executive. But, you know, that doesn't mean that it's a, it's a sin that should lead to somebody being excommunicated, that should lead to anybody not getting a promotion that they deserve just because they don't see things through the lens that you and your peers have made because you and your peers have created an industry that, you know, has led us to this point, you know, and glamorized it through the eyes of Mad Men and validated it through the lens of Can Lions and other award shows. You know, this is literally a and yes there's optimism yes there is caution but like the ball is legitimately in your court at industry and it is uh it is an honor a privilege a pleasure to you know to have this platform to talk about these things to you know be joined by uh someone who has uh scratched and clawed his way through and to be supported by other individuals who have scratched and clawed and fought to get to where they are today and I want to see better for all of them, I have probably less of a sink in all this stuff uh, in in my new place in the industry, because uh, I want to do things a little bit differently, but I think if you know. I, I just think we absolutely we start here, this is point zero for for this industry, you know, post-pandemic, post-protest, post, post hopefully, justice for individuals like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and the many, many individuals who have had to suffer to get, for us to get to this point. I hope that there's better. I honestly hope that there's better. Uh, So with that, I would like to thank the, wonderful people at Adweek for giving us a voice and for holding space for peers like simeon and kai last week uh and hopefully more others to come uh it is not lost on me uh how big this sort of opportunity to just speak about such a moment is so thank you and for everybody who is listening i I hope you listen, and I hope that you are ready to make change with us. Uh, so, thank you, thank you, Nathan, for being on this with me, and I hope all of you have a great day. Take care. Bye.
0: Peace. And we want to thank Bennett and Nathan for this dialogue, and we hope that the conversation continues. Uh, this special episode was produced with assistance. Uh, from Doug Zanger from DNI TBD. Theme music by Home and edited by Lane McGinley. I'm M. See you soon.
1: Hey there! Are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.